0: Well, hello, everybody out there in the internet and in the real world. Um, this is Fandom Talk. And not only is it Fandom Talk, hosted by the Fandom Correspondents, this is our special series on Fandom Talk um, called the Star Wars EU or EU Review. Um, this is our special series we're doing where we're exploring um, various. Um, extra products and sources of material and all kinds of things that exist within the Star Wars Expanded Universe, Um, so we're talking about um, the books, we're talking about the comics, we're talking about the video games, the TV shows, the cartoons, everything you you can think of that has offered supplemental uh, material to Star Wars at one point or the other. Um, So, uh, as you all know, um hopefully by now. I am Al, I'm also known as Red Lanyard. I'm one of the fandom correspondents. And I am joined here on this episode of our Star Wars series with the illustrious, mm. ever glorious connoisseur Whoa. of Star Wars media, Jacob Vance Hardesy. How are you doing, Jacob?
1: I'm I'm very, very good. And and still very illustrious, as crazy as no. that might <laughs> seem.
0: I I would hope so, Uh, because because if not, that intro would have just turned me into a liar. But here (laughs) we are, uh, with my integrity intact. Um, Jacob, this month, Mm -hmm. here on Star Wars EU or Mm -hmm. E-Review, we are celebrating one of our favorite forms of information and entertainment, um, to go along with this month's um, Comic Fest, I'm um, going on with Phantom Correspondence as well. Um, we are reading the Star Wars comics. Um, not all of them, you crazy people out there, um, but some <laughs> of them. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a long episode, everybody. We're talking about every single one of the Star Wars comics. <laughs> um, to be specific, uh, we're talking about the first um, two volumes. Of the Star Wars comic book reboot um, started in 2015 with um, the Disney acquisition of the franchise um, covering um, issues 1 through 12, the Jason Aaron run on the main Star Wars title for everybody out there who's keeping up with us. Um, We're talking about those. And as I said, we're talking about the comics in part because um, they're great Star Wars content, but also because we are smack dab in the middle of comic fest. Here at fandom Correspondence, Um, Jacob is doing awesome stuff um, with YouTube videos, um, with the old TikTok that all the kids are on nowadays. Um, He's doing um, 31 Days of Comics, uh, where he talks about a um, a new comic every single day that he loves. Um, And those have been fantastic. Um, So follow us on TikTok, Instagram, all those wonderful places. Um, but yeah, um, here for Comic Fest, we're talking about the first two um, volumes, um, if you will, if you're into the trade paperbacks like I am, of the main Star Wars title um, by Jason Aaron as the writer, the artist for um, issues one through six, John Cassidy, and um, the artist um, for volume two, issue seven through 12, Stuart Eminen. So, Jacob. How would you say we talked a little bit in episode one when we talked about uh, the light of the Jedi, the start of the high Republic era. Um, I just kind of want to get a general feel for what you think about, um, the comic book reboot, um, essentially the new, um, canon, um, for comic books. Again, it was spearheaded by Jason Aaron on the main title for a while, um, me just kind of a quick rundown of what um the fan reception to the comic reboot was um a little bit um about um how it was received what kind of impact it made before we get into uh, the g- 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 pretty details of the story if you don't mind
1: sure um you know so we we've talked i have talked a lot about this on during comic fest and then also just in general with comic books they are a very collaborative process. Um, I'm I'm currently starting to work on one, so I've kind of started doing that as well. But even any of your favorite writers or artists, they will talk about how comics are not just a one-person thing. Um, unless you're like Jeff Lemire or Becky Cloonan or someone crazy like that that can do all of it in one. Um, but mm-hmm. um, But with this, it was so interesting because... This was really the first piece of Disney Star Wars that we got, um, even before mm-hmm. before Force Awakens, before um, – I think this was happening during Rebels, but that was technically – that was kind of – I mean, I know it came on Toon Disney, but like that was – since that was Dave Filoni, that was almost kind of a pre – that was kind of grandfather in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but this was the first time that we knew that these things were happening after Disney – Acquired um, Marvel and Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, um, that included um, Dark Horse finally letting the license go after many years of comics and then coming back to Marvel, which is where they were originally back during the um, 70s and 80s. And it was really interesting to see what to see kind of where these storylines were going. And I was really intrigued with like how they were going to kind of set things up. And honestly, we're still kind of feeling the effects of it even today because the first run is supposed to bridge the gaps between a new hope and empire strikes back. Um, spoiler alert, like the, the first like long, like 75 issues of star Wars ends with them finding Hoth. Okay. And then literally the following month, like, Charles Soul picks up and then so on and so forth. And they go on into this new kind of storyline. What's interesting with this one is we were starting off with just – we had the main Star Wars title, which we're going to talk about today. Then we also had the uh, Kieran Gillen, uh, Darth Vader run, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the year. And mm-hmm. the um, – is I believe it's Terry and Rachel Dodson who do uh, the Princess Leia storyline but I can't remember if they're writing as well I know they're doing the art um feel free to fact check me on that one but um what was interesting about that was we knew that that Star Wars and Darth Vader were going to be ongoings Princess Leia was only going to be five and so then from there we were like okay well how many other Star Wars comics are they going to be and of course now there's been hundreds of different miniseries I mean not hundreds but a bunch of different miniseries um hundreds of issues I can I can guarantee that um and we've kind of gone on from there. I even remember it was such a big deal that Star Wars was coming back to Marvel, and that this was the first, like I said, kind of the new status quo for people for with Disney. Um, it was such a big deal that Star Wars was coming back that it was even in the paper. Um, and for those of you who do not know, we don't really live in a big town, uh, <laughs> like it, so. It was kind of a it was kind of weird for my dad to come to come find me and hand me the paper. And be like, apparently Star Wars is coming back. And I was like, Well, yes, dad, but w- what what do you mean? <laughs> and then of course on the cover was or on, on like the I don't think it was front page, but like on the cover of the newspaper right there though was uh was the big John Cassidy uh the spread on the first issue. And I was like, I mean, yeah, they're they're coming back. We're we're gonna we're gonna get some interesting stories and uh you know, I could Talk for a long time about about these because I, I loved – I'm going to go ahead and say it. Like I haven't really read a bad Star Wars comic since 2015. Um, there have been some that I may not have enjoyed as much, um, but I have not read one where I've read it and said this this is bad. This should not be part of th- – this should not have been written. I, I have not had to say that, and trust me, as many comics as I've read, I've had to say that about a few <laughs> – um. So
0: yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a big deal. I remember even at the time. Um. I wasn't actively reading. Um, any of the titles. Um, as they came out or anything. Um, I've been, in catch up the last few years. Um, as I've been going into it a, a more of the um expanded universe stuff, but um. Which even
1: that's the the origin of this podcast honestly.
0: <laughs> it was. It was indeed. Um uh, so here we are everybody. It's come full circle. <laughs> but already and this is episode 3. So <laughs> um, but um yeah, even I, I recall um like um having heard about it um that you know the publishing rights were going uh, from Port t- t- Harcourt to Marvel comics um it was a big deal it 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 was a big deal in the entertainment industry for sure um, as far as your um reference to the a comic um as a heads up uh we have um, a guest appearance on the show everybody um mm. fact checking boy mm. Mm. Um, All, always good to hear hi, him man. hi fact checking boy <laughs> um um the um opening um Star Wars Princess Leia comic um the art indeed was done by the Dotsons um and uh the writing responsibilities were by Wade. Oh Mark Wade.
1: Duh. I don't know what I what I was thinking. Yeah, Mark Wade, another fantastic <laughs> another fantastic writer. That's a yeah, it's yeah, a great absolutely. story by the way. If you everyone should check it out.
0: <laughs> it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um so um yeah. Um So that's where we're at now. Um, Now, so we are at um, about seven years past the debut of these comics now. Um, So I want to treat these comics a little bit the same way we treated um, our discussion of Mm -hmm. Hide of the Jedi um, by Charles Soule. And uh, before we get into the stories itself... Uh, found in Volume 1, Skywalker Strikes, and Volume 2, Showdown on the Smuggler's Moon, uh, for everybody out there who's who's reading along with us. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the mind behind the stories, um, as we did uh, with Height of the Jedi and Charles Soule. Um, now, if anyone has kept up with comics over the last 10, 15 years or so, um, you've probably heard the name J- 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 and aaron come up a few times um, he, he's been involved in a lot of really significant runs on a lot of really significant characters and he's been responsible for a few very significant stories as well um just a few of his accomplishments not involving the star wars reboot Include he was um, a very influential contributor to the Avengers versus X Men story. Um, He had his own run on Avengers for a while. He had his own run on Thor um, as well, which seems to be very influential with the upcoming um, Thor 4 of Thunder. that we're getting so uh, definitely contributions that are being brought into uh, on the mainstream view of the entertainment as well um, he's been um, on Incredible Hulk he's been on a bunch of X-Men stuff um, his name is, is a name that a lot of comic book readers will know um, if you drop it um, so, so Jacob if you would as um, kind of the connoisseur um, of comics and the history of comics Um, could you talk a little bit about who, who Jason Aaron is the kind of influence and impact his work has had on comic books over the last, um, 10, 15 years or so?
1: Yeah. So Jason Aaron, like you had said, excuse me, he had started out. Um, I remember, and apparently like he almost got this job just by just like on a fluke he kind of he kind of won the uh, he kind of won the lottery. He started out writing Wolverine um, like that was one of his earliest public works was Wolverine. Think about that for a second. Um, and then all of a sudden, kind of like you said, he was kind of skyrocketed from there because following Wolverine, he gets on Ghost Rider. Um, somehow like and and I'm not saying that he did not he didn't deserve it, but I mean, it's. In comparison to the to the other five guys or the other four guys that are on there, he's part of Avengers versus X Men, um, in like his third year of writing. So that's a that's a pretty big accomplishment, um, you know. And then he starts like right after that is when he starts his Thor run, which, like you had already said, if you don't, in my opinion, he is probably the second most prolific writer on Thor. The only other one I would put above him would be uh, Walt Simonson. And that's, I mean, <laughs> if that if that's your top two, I mean, that's basically every everything that you know about Thor and you love about Thor as a character, especially from the movies, happens because of one of the two of them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, like, because, I mean, Jane Foster is Thor and Gore the God Butcher, which apparently are both going to be in the next, um, in the next film. Um, both of those were Jason Aaron creations. Um, so I mean, yeah, no, he's, he's a huge writer. He was even a huge writer back then. Like I said, cause that was right after he was, he had just started his Thor run and then they announced that they were going to be putting him on this. And this is also as he was doing stuff, even outside of Marvel. Um, I think Southern bastards had already come out. I could be wrong about that. Um, cause I know that one, that one got a lot of, a lot of praise for him. Um, and then, like you said, you know, moving on even past <clears throat> Star Wars, he writes for the first 37, if I remember correctly, issues. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Kieran Gillen takes over and then it goes on from there. And it's, and Kieran Gillen's stuff is very, very good too. But Jason Aaron, there's something, I don't know, there there was something special about these first 37, um, in which we're talk, talking about the first 12 of them today. Um, just because. I don't know. He's he's able to really get to the heart of characters very very quickly, and not make it feel rushed. Um, Donnie Cates talked about this in an interview. He because he said Jason Aaron's one of the writers he really looks up to, and you can tell in both of their writings because they they want you to fall in love with their characters that they're writing as soon as you, as soon as you possibly can, and for the most part, you do. Like I haven't really, I've I've. There's been a few things about Jason by Jason Aaron I wasn't necessarily a big fan of, but I mean, for the most part, like he he's like a nine out of ten in my opinion, um, because like this this run especially, you know, instantly within the first issue, we see that this is a particularly I mean of course but him being my favorite character this is a Luke Skywalker that's very very different um, than Ooh. what we're used to um and and in a very very good way um but we're gonna i'm assuming we'll get to that in just a little bit um and yeah i mean you you mentioned his most recent uh his most recent outing um he's done other things but his most recent one has been avengers and his avengers is one of the like probably one of the more fun comic runs i've read in a long time um you know and that's it's, it's good to – a lot of times your comics can take themselves very, very seriously, and there's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with very serious stories. But it is good to every once in a while just pick up a comic that is just having some fun and just being superheroes being superheroes and fighting the bad guys, saving the day, so on and so forth. And that's not to say that, like I said, that his run doesn't have nuance because it definitely does. It has some really, really good stories, um, including a fantastic Moon Knight story for anyone running wanting to get that in before the show comes out. Um but you know it's just it's just fun just to it's a really cool team. I also just love Robbie Ray as his ghostwriter, so that's just always fun to see, especially in the, in a in a mainstream Avengers book. Um and he needs to be in the MCU soon. I I I want that to happen again. Um and mm-hmm. not just Agents of Shield. And and I'm and I'm hot I'm willing take. to fight for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 hot take. And 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 I'm fine if Look, do do a no way home kind of style with it, like bring bring all the ghost stories. I don't, I don't care, just you know, that's that's fine, you yeah. know. So yeah, <laughs> but but yes, back to the main point. Sorry, Jason Aaron's really really good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I um, you you got me talking about comics just in general, and then I was like, oh, that this is what I've been doing all month. <laughs>
0: no, 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 that's fine. Um, I just <laughs> I can't wait for everybody who. This ends to this, um, and their friends ask them, Hey, how's that how's that uh podcast you listen to? Uh Phantom Jock. How's it going this month? It was just like, oh it was great. I'm listening to an episode about um, Jason Aaron and Star Wars, and um, you know, Jacob just kind of goes on a rant about how he wants all three ghostwriters in a in an MCU movie. <laughs> it's good, it's
1: good stuff. I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, see, see everybody. This is why we do events like Comic Fest throughout the year. Um, so, um, get
1: all of it out at once for me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: but um, no, no, I thought that was a great, great summary of of who Jason Aaron is, is kind of his career path. Uh, because I think it's really important when you talk about um, these stories and about um, uh, these pieces of art, because that's what. Um, they are at the end of the day, it's kind of important to go back and kind of um see the path that um, the artists and the creators have taken. Um, they can uh kind of shed some light on the stories and on the characters that we um interact with through them, but um, yeah, for anybody I'm interested in that, um, in that list of creators that Jacob uh, was referencing during the Avengers version avengers versus x-men event um that was uh jason aaron um ed brubaker hickman and matt fraction um so um Eisner
1: winners right there
0: for for anybody um not super into comic books and their creators uh that's a pretty good list of people to be talked about in the same breath with uh, <laughs> that's a pretty, pretty good, pretty good group of comic book creators to be discussed with, for sure. But um all right, so we have talked about the background. We've talked about kind of uh, of the history of this run. We've talked about kind of gotten into the mind space of um the man uh, behind the writing duties of it. Um, let's get into what the hell happens in these first two volumes. Of the Star Wars comic book because I'll be honest y'all a lot happens <laughs> in these first 12 yeah, issues <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it kind of begins with a bang I mean honestly um, yeah. we are thrown in um, you can't talk about these comics without talking about the excellent decision um, they made where with each um, at the beginning of each volume of each i um, kind of arc of comics if you will um, it does the kind of screen crawl um, that classic Star Wars films do um, to kind of introduce you to what's going on, uh, kind of establishes the timeline. Um, that's like a really small detail about the comic, but that's something that I just love every time I open up a trade um, of Star Wars comics is I just open it up. The very first page is a very um, nostalgia um, evoking um, um, screen crawl. Of stuff that's going on. Um, I think that's great. But um, yeah, we're thrown into it. Uh, we know that it it happens at, after A New Hope. Uh, Death Star is destroyed. Um, things have happened in the Star Wars continuity, for sure. Um, and, and you're probably wondering, okay, well, what's going on here? How is Jason Aaron going to introduce us to his comic book run? And um, it begins with something that I just love the imagery of um is the rebels just going on the offensive uh, and really uh, trying to capitalize on the momentum they have from the ending of a new hope um and going straight into it um doing a, a t- t- 007-esque infiltration of of an imperial outpost um and we and within the first few pages, it gives us a lot of character interactions, a lot of exposure to the characters we know and love. Um, as you said, possibly in slightly different ways and different lights that we aren't really used to. Um, so, Jacob, I'm, I'm going to turn it to you. Tell me about someone who is one of your favorite characters in all of Star Wars. Tell me about Jason Aaron's treatment of Luke Skywalker. Walker. Uh,
1: absolutely. But, but first, I did want to mention... I'm I'm glad you said it first, because I was going to sooner or later in this. Um, because I talked about in twenty four in twenty fifteen this being, you know, the first big Disney Star Wars event. So imagining going to the comic book store, picking up your comics, you get home, and the first thing you see on the first page is, is a full page spread that says a long time ago in a galaxy Far Far Away, you turn the page, it's a double page spread of the star Wars logo and then you get the screen crawl like right after it's like you said it is a small thing but at the same time there's something like you can almost hear the music like in your head while you're reading it you know and that's it is a small thing but it was such a really just nice way to open this up and just remind us like it's it's it it is a QE "We're Home" moment. It is, yeah. is what it is, you know. So so yes, just real quick, I did want to I did want to say that's I, I love that, and and I love that they they have continued that in every, in the start of every um, um like big new like arc. So like the the second phase of Star Wars, the Mandalorian soul starts that way. Higher Republic starts that way, and so on and so forth. It's 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 great. Um. But back to your... Uh, apologies. But once again, back on tirades. Um, to your main question, though. Jason Aaron on, on Luke. So, <clears throat> Luke is apparently a... I've always known he was a complex character, but judging from the way that people didn't enjoy him in Last Jedi, he's apparently way more uh, way more complex than what most people get. Um, but we <laughs> that's for another podcast entirely. Um, but at this point, <laughs> it's such an interesting thing to see... That, like, I think we always expect just from from watching a new hope to Empire Strikes Back, we forget that there's three full years between those movies, um cano- canonically. So, mm. you know, there's three full years of Luke trying to figure out what is a Jedi? What am I supposed to do? We, as the audience, you know, a lot of times we we kind of take that for granted of basically, it's it's almost like, it's like if a war it, it, it's like if a like if he was trying to like go be like a like a cavalier in 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 like old-timey like like in like uh like like middle ages kind of fighting basically that's the mindset because these guys have not been seen for hundreds or well really like 30 years but because the empire is taken everything away like to luke that could be a thousand years to him you know, he has no idea. And and even in, in A New Hope, he doesn't really know what the Jedi are. Um, So basically, like, when once again, we really start thinking about A New Hope. It's basically Luke Skywalker's really wacky weekend where he gets thrown a lightsaber and then has to blow up the Death Star uh, by Sunday. Um, <laughs> you know, when you really start to start to, like, pay attention to the time that that goes into it. And then all of a sudden, by the end of it, it's like, well. I guess I'm a war hero now, um, and that's why the opening to this is so interesting, because <clears throat> we see Luke wanting to become, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote last Jedi here, wanting to become a legend. Okay, he wants to be the Jedi Knight. He wants to be what his father was. He has no idea how to go about doing that. So much so that like he he can barely talk to Ben because he doesn't really know how to connect to the force yet um, and he's learning all these things just very, very slowly, but at the same time it honestly makes him more endearing in my opinion because of it 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 gives you this i this idea that when you see him in Empire Strikes Back, even though he is still a a very young Jedi, he has already come through so much in just those three years to be able to you know do something as simple as call his lightsaber from the, from the ice, you know, in the Wampus cave, like that's, that's something that he could not do in the previous film. And it's something that he can't do in the, in these current comics. Um, So, so no, I just, I love, I love seeing that side of Luke, seeing a, a Luke that is very unsure of himself and wanting to do better because to me, Luke's entire, his entire character arc is is looking to the horizon. That's uh, the when 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 tales of a Jedi swells behind him while he's staring at the twin suns in New Hope. When Yoda says, "Always, always looking ahead, never focusing on where on where he was." That is that's Luke. Luke is always looking to the next big thing and how he can be a part of it. And when he can't or when he doesn't know how to, is when we get a very frustrated and, in my opinion, a very human version of Luke, and that's why I
0: love these first two stories with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You are going to get a better breakdown of who Luke Skywalker is (laughs) um, than from asking Jacob Hardesty. Um, (laughs) I mean, mean, you just won't. Um, uh, I think Jason Aaron does an interesting thing with all of the characters, but especially with Luke, where... He he has his finger on kind of the pulse of the fandom in a lot of ways, where you can tell he knows what fans want to see. Um, he knows fans want out of these stories that they want, you know, they want to see Luke Skywalker do cool Luke Skywalker things. Right? like we we want to see them go on um, these wild adventures and and have them have the these great moments in character and and things like that. Um, and Jason Aaron is really good at giving us that. He's really good at giving us you know the scene uh, where uh, where Luke is held up um, at blaster Point and um, and the guard is just like, Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll fry you if you reach for your blaster and Luke all playfully is just like, okay, I promise I won't reach for my blaster. And then he grabs his lightsaber and he, and he aces the dude And, and Aaron knows we want to see fun things like that. But, um, he also has a talent for giving us what we want while forcing us to kind of wrestle with these kinds of unusual um things we aren't used to like you talk about um and i think that's a really impressive line to walk um especially within the context of you know this is the new brand of star wars this is the reboot this is um where we are going from what we knew um and seeing him be able to do that with these characters that we know and we love so very much already um, again, it's a very impressive line for him to walk, and I think he does that really well. Um, prime example here, um, we get um, our our band of heroes, they uh, go on the offensive, they infiltrate um, an imperial outpost, um, they save people, which I am always up for scenes where heroes save people. Uh, I think that's a good, call me crazy in old fashioned, but I think that's a great thing to have in stories <laughs> to see good guys save people. Um, sorry, I'm still recovering from like the Zack Snyder s- era of DC. Uh, <laughs> but um, so we see that one of the very next things we see, and this goes back to what I'm talking about, where Jason Aaron no- has his finger to the f- to the pulse of the fandom. He knows what people want. Um, we're just like, oh, cool. They're rescuing these people. They're like adapting to different things. They're, you know, they're doing great. Our heroes are doing great. Um, everything's going well. Um, and then Darth Vader shows up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's and it's like It was like a slap in the face. You're just like, ha! I knew what you were wanting. <laughs> like, like Uncle Aaron knows what you're, what you're into. Um, so <laughs> we have Darth Vader show up. And this is one example of a lot of beloved characters showing up very early um, in this run. Uh, We'll talk about um, another very important appearance soon. But um, I feel like we can't talk, after having talked about Luke, I feel like we can't talk about any other character until we talk about Vader. Um, (laughs) I'm so so Jacob, uh, give me your impression of how Jason Aaron handles. um, the appearance of Vader in this um, p- 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 primary Star Wars title after all these years. Uh, I'm giving your impressions of how it runs down, that first uh, kind of interaction he has with Luke in the comic. So
1: so once again, like, I do want to... I can't talk ex- about, about my favorite scene with Vader yet because of the character that I feel like you want to mention in a minute. Um, but... um. But but you 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 nailed it when you said that he that Jason Aaron knows what we want to see he knows, and 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 I'm convinced that like, like even when he was working with with John Caste or or Stuart Immonen in, in in the second volume he was he was like look, these are the scenes we have to nail, and the thing is is like so so you had mentioned them like talk like like trying to trying to sabotage this weapons refinery and everything the rebels. Uh, trying to sabotage his weapons refinery. And the admiral, or whoever, the, the, I think it's called the administrator, the guy who's running it keeps talking about how the negotiator will be here shortly. Okay. And it's such a small thing that if you're not really thinking about it, there's not a point where you're like, oh, I wonder who the negotiator could be. But then whenever, <laughs> like, they do this full page spread where it's, Darth Vader (laughs) surrounded by stormtroopers and the only caption is tell the uh, tell the overseer that's it tell the overseer the negotiator has arrived and they don't even say his name nothing you're just like oh my god he's here you know and and it's such a like and 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 simultaneously you're all you're also like oh god no he's here you know it's it's and and that's and what's great is like that's the immediate reaction for luke and han and leia and is that darth vader's here we are might be in trouble now you know like we like we've got you know we've we've got to figure out what's going on here and how we can get out of this situation um, And then, of course, Luke is like, let's save all these slaves, too. And then they're just like, OK, I guess we're doing that now, too. Um, <laughs> you know, but with Darth Vader, he is such a presence. In these in these films, and and I think Josh had talked a little bit about it in, in our very first Star Wars podcast that we did, where he talked about how in Rogue One, he didn't really like their treatment of Vader because it's almost a celebratory thing to see this villain. And I do get that. Okay. I, I really do. But I also, I, but admittedly, I, I kind of, I kind of play both sides of that. Cause I do understand the fan reaction of wanting to see Vader in that light, wanting to see Vader be the ultimate villain that we've always known him to be with Jason Aaron's run. You never, you never have to have that, that worry on either side, because one he just he just kills randomly. He's just like, and so you're like, well, I can't enjoy him being on on here. But on the other side, you're like, but he's just like he's such a dominant force to be reckoned with that you're you're terrified of him. I mean, within the first three issues, like there's a point where Han is trying to step on him with an ATAT, which let let's let that sentence just sink in for a second han is trying to step on him with an atat um or at at i don't know depending on everyone has different ways of saying it and they are all correct by the way um if,
0: if anybody listening to this um if you're the type of person who like is not going along with everything like has as we read it or as we play it or whatever if you're just like enjoying like this thing to us talking about it without reading for yourself um that's great uh that's a perfectly fine way to kind of digest these um that panel of han trying to step on darth vader with an 8080 um that's an exception you should make that's a panel yeah, that's, that's fair yeah like
1: <laughs> we it doesn't <laughs> You could you could skip the the rest of the like if you want to like you should read them but if you if you just if you just have time for like one page I think it's like the <laughs> second issue just just go check it out like it's it's fantastic um, but no no you're 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 absolutely you're absolutely correct <laughs> but but yeah like Han is trying to step on Darth Vader with an AT-AT. I almost can't even say it now um, and then Vader's just like nope and then just stops it. And then you're like, oh, okay, he's holding it with the Force. That's crazy in itself. But then he uses his lightsaber to cut, like, two of the hydraulics, and then the entire thing just topples over. And you're like, so Darth Vader single-handedly, just in, I mean, what appears to be ten seconds, you know, just took out an AT-AT, just by himself, you know, no trouble. Presumably didn't even break a sweat inside his suit, you know. Um, I mean, just, I, it is, it would be hard to see that kind of treatment of the character and not at least enjoy him from a, from a villainous perspective. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you don't want him to win. Obviously you don't want to root for him, but at the same time you're like, that was just too cool. Not to, and not to enjoy, you know? And that's where that's where darth vader is in this um and but once again like like we've already said aaron gives you that but then he also was like oh but wait we've also got the human element here because this is a darth vader who you know in a lot of ways has just had like every sort of like well one he was proven right uh, in front of all the all the governors and the moths from A New Hope, who were like, you know, oh well, th- this this battle station's perfect. No one can stop this. And he was like, don't underestimate the Force, dude. And but also he is searching for this pilot that he has no idea who he is, and he all he knows is that he is strong in the Force. And if you know anything about Darth Vader. During this period of time, there is a constant struggle for him between, do I want to hunt down these Jedi to defeat them and eradicate them entirely for the Emperor, or do I want to find the one that is worthy of being my apprentice to possibly take down the Emperor? This is consistent, and you might just be thinking like, oh, well, someone played Force Unleashed. No, no. That is consistent throughout – which is fair, but that is consistent throughout most of the – what is called the Dark Times era for Darth Vader is that he is – he has that mindset where he is constantly pulled back to, you know, I was once Anakin Skywalker. I was once one of the greatest Jedi who ever lived, and then I turned on everything I ever knew in us in basically five minutes, you know? I, I, and, and I know that is a very, very rough uh, summarization of, of that scene, but when it comes right down to it, that's basically the mindset is he is – he has this mindset where he's like, do I want to be something else or am I so lost into this, which we are going to get into that discussion way more with Kieran Gillen's uh, storyline because if you think Jason Aaron human tries to humanize characters, just wait. Um but once again, we'll leave that for future podcast. Um, but yes, Darth Vader in this is fantastic in the sense that he is this indomitable force that cannot be stopped. But he is also someone who is searching for something that he doesn't even truly understand what he's searching for just yet. Until the, in my opinion, the best scene of the of the uh, the first graphic novel, which is also coincidentally the finale of the first graphic novel. But moving on.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Hold your horses there, friend. We'll yeah, get there in just sorry. a second. <laughs> hold your hold your speeder bikes there, friend. <laughs> we'll get there in just a second. But um yeah. Yeah, I mean, um and like just to reiterate what Jacob said, um, everybody, do not worry. This is not going to be the last time we talk about Darth Vader um on nope. the show. <laughs> uh not by a long shot. But um, yeah, there is something to how efficiently Jason Aaron kind of reestablishes um, who Darth Vader is in the context of Star Wars, um, because again, we're coming off of A New Hope. We're coming off of off of a, off of a film where, separated from the rest of the original trilogy, uh, Darth Vader is very imposing. And he has um, a very strong presence. He has a very significant presence in the film, but as been as has been talked about several times when it comes to Star Wars: New Hope, um, he isn't in the film like for an overly unusual amount of screen time. Right? He's not. He's Call not it. in it all that much. Yeah, he's in it for twelve minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, so Jason Aaron as he takes us back through what we know about star wars and kind of tries to fill in the gaps um one of the skillful things he does is he reasserts and reestablishes who darth vader is in the gap um where we don't see him from a new hope into empire strikes back right which of course empire strikes back is a much more is a much more darth vader centric film and a new hope is um, it's not entirely centered entered around Darth Vader, but um, he's given a lot more screen time and a lot more consideration um, than he is in the first film. Um, one last note on Vader. Um, every time Darth Vader shows up in Star Wars comics, he has at least one, usually like a few, but at least one great line that he delivers. Um, my personal favorite um, in Skywalker Strikes is when he um, um is an issue two, uh, very beginning. Uh, Vader and Luke are having the confrontation. Vader still has n- n- no idea who the hell Luke is. Um, and Luke confronts him and very passionately is just like, you killed my father. Um, and everybody just has flashbacks to the end of Empire, and just like, oh, wow. Uh, and then Vader um, very forcefully, and I kind of read it as kind of also like, evilly yeah. <laughs> um responds, I've killed very m- many fathers. You'll have to be more specific. <laughs> which is, which like, feels kind of extra sassy for Darth Vader. Yeah, that <laughs> um, <does. laughs> to, to have that kind of a banter. But again, I also wonder if that's intentional with like what you were saying, having callbacks to to the more human side of vader because to me that doesn't strike me as an inherently vader line but that does kind of strike me as something anakin would say
1: absolutely yeah right
0: so um it kind of speaks even more to that idea of trying to 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 balance the identity of who vader is um, throughout these stories um so we get through those we get through those first two issues chock full of things. Those first two issues we have um, a very um, prolonged kind of involved battle scene. I mean, uh, we could spend uh, probably a couple of of episodes just on like the first three issues of Scott Walker strikes. It's very, it's very possible if we go panel by panel like that. Um, But I do want to get to the next kind of celebrity appearance that happens in this first volume before we move on to volume two. Um, and that is both interesting as far as, again, Jason Aaron kind of knowing what the fans want and also how he kind of, um, gives weight to to Luke's story, to Luke's history and backgrounds of other characters that we know, um. Because we transitioned from this event into Luke, um, Trying to learn more about who, who the Jedi were, what his purpose is, um, as we've already talked about Jacob and uh, we get this really great kind of side quest almost uh, that Luke goes on, where he goes to um, retrieve these on um, these writings, these journals um, that Obi Wan had kept um, on Tatooine. Um, To try to learn more about who Obi-Wan was, who the Jedi were, where he may need to go from here, things like that. And as we get that kind of side quest, we also get the appearance of another fan-favorite character um, (laughs) in Oba Fett, who Vader has now enlisted to track down and gain information, hopefully capture um, the infamous pilot, who blew up the Death Star, killed all those innocent stormtroopers who were just trying to do their jobs, um, <laughs> and track him down uh, and bring him to Vader. Um, so Boba Fett, this culminates in, and we've talked about Boba Fett as a character before on the Phantom Talk. We did a spoiler cast on the Boba Fett show, if anybody's interested in that. But, again, another iconic um, character. Another iconic character who's similar to Darth Vader in New Hope does not have a ton of screen time in the original trilogy. Uh, But, boy, did people love the very little time they got with him. Um, (laughs) And so we get him inserted much earlier into the canon than we're used to now. And so we have Boba Fett show up. And... What ensues on Tatooine is something that I can only describe as one of the more fan service scenes <laughs> I've encountered in Star Wars stuff. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but that th- it is what it is. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> as we get a confrontation and a... At a fight between Boba Fett um, and and somewhat young Luke Skywalker, um, long before Jabba's palace. Um, Jacob, walk me through what the hell is happening in this somewhat fanservicey but nonetheless pretty epic scene between Luke and Boba Fett.
1: Sure. So, so a little bit of backstory because because you are right. There, I know that there are people who may not have read. Everything along with us, and and we we're just kind of jumping right in. Um, so a little bit of backstory. Vader is looking for the pilot. Okay, he's trying to find out who who this pilot is. Okay, and so he goes to Tatooine to talk to Jabba the Hutt about something involving the Empire. Um, basically, just making sure that Jabba will still work with the Emperor, so on and so forth. Yada, yada, Jabba's evil, Vader's evil, so on and so forth. Okay. And we get this very brief mention of of a bounty hunter looking for the boy. Okay. Looking for the pilot. And then the next thing you see is is someone asking about Skywalker. And then it cuts once again, once again, so like – I don't know if it's an editorial decision or if it's just Jason Aaron and John Cassidy being like, we've got to nail this just a full page spread of Boba Fett. Just basically pointing the gun at whoever was reading. Okay. That's basically the, the, the point of view that you get to see. And it's, and it's one of those moments where you're just like, "Oh, he's here. You know, um, following that he goes to Mos a cantina. He starts interrogating people. um, He interrogates this one kid and then just offs him right after he gets the information. Which, let me tell you, going from the, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm gonna say experienced Boba Fett and book of Boba Fett, and the one who has found another way to live his life. Back to the, my father was killed about 20 years ago, and I'm just pissed off at the at the galaxy, and I'm just gonna off whoever I need to. Um, and then get paid for it, that Boba Fett w- is very, very different than the one we see in the show. And for the record, once again, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm okay with the moving forward for the character. But it was very jarring and very different uh, uh, to to get back to the classical Boba Fett that we know. Um, but, you know, what's what's interesting, though, is, like, following that, he he finds um, Obi Wan Kenobi's hut, which is where, which is also where uh, Luke has ended up because Luke is just looking for whatever information he can get, and the nearest place that he knows to get information, of course, is Obi Wan. But Obi Wan's gone, and he goes and he finds these journals, which are hopefully going to be at least partially referenced in uh, the upcoming show,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and. Uh, which is gonna be great by the way. I can't wait. Um and as he is finding it, like immediately flashbang hits hits through the doorway. Boba's right there. Luke has no idea what, what's going on. He's already been struggling with connecting to the force and being able to do um do kind of the training that he was taught with with Obi-Wan. And he's even been struggling with these ideas of rage, which I really enjoyed. Um, because it, once again, shows the human side, shows that he, he does have weaknesses, he does have faults. Um, but this, this fight between him and Boba, this has so many, like you said, it's a very service y moment, because, um, like, he draws his lightsaber and he has to start figuring out how to use the Force without being able to see, um he tries to punch Boba at one point and then he, and then his hand he like starts holding his hand because he's like ah oh, you have armor you know and it's and of course now we know it's beskar so it's like impervious basically you know and it's just i don't I don't know it's just such a cool moment and it works so well for everything else that is involved within the storyline and then of course at the end of it you know he goes back to vader okay and he has, and it's, once again, it's my favorite moment in the, in the, in the first novel. It might be my favorite moment in Star Wars comic history. Honestly, this is such a cool moment. And it's such a, it's something that like, and that's really what I think these comics were trying to do. And it's, and it's great. It's something that we didn't know that we wanted <laughs> because <laughs> what it is, is it's him learning because that Luke is his son. And because he he asked if he found the boy and and Boba Fett's like, yeah, he's no Jedi, but, you know, he's he held me off at least and uh, didn't really find out much about him except for his name. And then he just says Skywalker. And Boba walks off and he's like, are we done here? Vader's not saying a word. Cuts back. And all we see is this visual of the glass in front of Vader, like cracking. Due to the force and his anger. While he is just standing right in the center of it. And that's literally how the first book ends. and Or the first six issues or however you want to word it on um, whatever you're reading on. And it's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars history. It's just, it's so perfect. It's so well done. And like I said, it's something that even in 2015, yes, at that point in time, uh, I didn't know I wanted that until I got it. And then I was like, yeah, no, that's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars history. I needed that. I needed that. Absolutely. You
0: know? Yeah. Um, And it goes, that scene in particular, it goes so far to, as we've talked about a couple of times now, to fill in the gaps in between, in between a new hope and the rest of what we know um, about, about the story. Because, you know, it's built on this tradition of of the Sith and Master and Apprentice and betrayal, and it has, and the relationship between Vader and Palpatine has the backdrop of that, right? That's the context they're operating in, and both are aware of it, um, but possibly not entirely, but if you want to know how we get from, you know, Revenge of the Sith to the end of Return of the Jedi, Um, that arc with Vader and Palpatine, if you want to know how we get from point A to point B, um, I think a lot of that journey happens within that scene in the comic. Um, And I think to really understand the dynamic uh, between Vader and the Emperor and how that relationship and how that story really develops. I think you kind of need that scene to happen. Um, So, uh, so definitely a huge contribution um, there as far as understanding why these characters we know and love act the way they do in the stories that we know. Um, Before we move on to Volume 2, I do want to talk about because we have neglected so far um a lot of characters who we love uh there's been a lot of love to go there's around to with arcade, obviously. <laughs> but yeah yeah it's chock full of stuff but uh, we would be of course remiss to not talk about the rest of the crew right so we have um everybody's here in spades we got han we got chewy we got princess leia we got c3po we got r2d2 everybody rolling out For this first arc (laughs) in the new star wars comics um and um while the spotlight is definitely on luke and vader and things happening there um we still get a lot of great um interactions and character moments um with the rest of the characters as well um, I think w- w- one of my favorite scenes in this first volume, and it's it's kind of small, but um, I think it's a great um, panel that kind of captures their relationship. Is um, right after, um, as we've talked about, Vader takes out uh, on the ATAT and it topples over. Um, there's a panel where um, Han is in kind of the wreckage of the at 80 and um, he gets helped up, and really just like completely held up, and entirely supported on the arm and shoulder um, of Leia. Um, um, and Leia just kind of has him on her arm. She has her blaster out, blasting stormtroopers, and she's trying to tell all the escaped slaves where to go, how to escape all this mess, and things like that. And and for me, that's a really good kind of quick look at those characters um, and that relationship there. Um, We have a bunch of jokes by C-3PO, of course. Uh, (laughs) Always there to throw in a few things. Um, And Chewie as well. We have an underrated panel where Chewie is about to just take a headshot on Darth Vader. Um, that I don't think gets talked about enough. When, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Chewie about to take it on himself to just to just end <laughs> this threat right now, um, which is fantastic. Um, uh, so Jacob, we going to um and ask you what is your favorite moment in Volume One as far as uh, the other characters um, go? Is there a specific panels? There a specific s- sequence that you really love? Uh, what kind of sticks out to you
1: so you have to forgive me i've read i reread these very very close together um within the same day actually um so i am struggling to remember which part is where i will admit that sure. um sure. however um to me the mvp besides besides i mean luke will always be the mvp but i do just want to talk about her uh leia is very very well done in the in these comics (laughs) very Mm. very well done um and the reason i say that is because once again leia is one of the few characters that in my opinion you have to look at her from the time period and here's what i mean by that so with luke and Han. They get to be these brash, or Han gets to be the, this brash, you know, rogue, and Luke gets to be the hero, you know, character, and we, we've we seen those archetypes before. We know who they are, we've seen plenty of them, and we have we have become accustomed to them. So it's just like, yeah, it's Luke and Han, just, yeah, there you go, okay, boom. Leia, in 1977, no one had seen a character like her yet. I mean... A few, maybe, but when you really start to think about it and you really start to look at, like, the history of film, and I know we're kind of getting off topic in in that aspect of it, but seeing Leia pick up the gun in the uh, the Tenkin cell block and just start shooting, and then it's like, into the garbage sheet, Flyboy, you know, like, we (laughs) hadn't really seen a character like that yet, especially not in, like, a blockbuster like this. And the reason I think that a lot of that is kind of lost on some of the newer generation, myself included, in so in in certain ways, is we have seen so many other characters since then like that. You know, we have mm-hmm. seen we we have seen which which for the record is a wonderful thing. Um, mm. Women can absolutely be action heroes and can kick just as much ass as as any man on screen. One hundred percent. I will go to my dying breath with that. Um, but in 1977 and 1980 and 1983 even, we hadn't seen that yet. And then Carrie Fisher is like, I'm gonna pave the way for everyone else. Y'all get on my back. You contrast that with and and you know, when you see her in these films, you're you're like, okay, well, she's doing some stuff. But then you start to notice you're like, oh no, Leia's doing a lot of work. But with this, like, I think Jason I think I'm wondering if I'm wondering if Jason Aaron had like heard arguments that like Leia didn't do as much as everyone says she does in the original trilogy. Cause I have heard those arguments before, by the way. And then he was just like, well, here we go. Because to, like you said, to your credit, you know, holding Han Solo <laughs> is guiding everyone out, you know, TIE fighters all over the place, stormtroopers all over the place, Darth Vader, probably like 20 yards behind her at that point, you know, if not closer, and she's still just like, well, we're going. I mean, someone someone's got to lead us out of here. It might as well be me. Um, and then like later on in the uh, later on, I, I'm pretty like I said, I'm pretty sure this is it. This is in volume two, but there's a point where stormtroopers um uh trap her and Han and and another character who I definitely want to talk about in a second, um. And Leia just starts blasting. She's just like, screw it. I've got a gun. Here we go. And one of them literally says, she doesn't shoot like a princess. And it's one of my favorite moments in, not even just Star Wars comics, just comics in general. It's one of my favorite moments in fandom history. She doesn't shoot like a princess. I love that line so much. It says everything you need to know about Princess Leia because here's the thing, she doesn't really shoot like a princess. She doesn't do anything like a princess because she's Princess freaking Leia and that's who she's going to be. Like she's she's going to get things done. You know, stormtroopers are closing in on me. Well, I've got a pistol and I'm and I'm still breathing. So guess what? We're going to keep going until until one of us is dead. And that's where whereas Luke will have these moments of of doubt. Han will have these moments of, do I want this life? Leia is one hundred percent the the steamroller that is not going anywhere, and this comic, and the subsequent comics nails that perfectly. Um, so yes, that's my tirade about Leia, um, and and yeah, probably her just honestly when, when, like when I start to think about that entire segment at the end there of I think that's issue issue two or three um i can't remember exactly which one it is but um that entire segment where like luke's on the speeder bike leia is leading all the people out han's injured but but leia is carrying him chewbacca is you know just threatening to destroy like this entire like little village of these of these trash stealers basically who have like tried to attempt to scuttle the, uh, the millennium Falcon. And, you know, like there's so many cool things going on at once that like segment. I, I can't, I can't pick a, a single panel, honestly, um, with the exception of like that Darth Vader one at the end, that'd be the only one that would be able to say a single panel. But that moment that like the, those like few pages when just everything is coming to a head, to me, that's it's perfect. It's it's every it is everything I wanted from a Star Wars comic. And I I love the fact that Aaron most people would have put that in like issue six, like a lead up to it. I love the fact that Aaron was like, no, we're gonna give this to them and then we're going to to show that we're still going forward. Like we're still moving on. This is not a this is not going to be a six and done kind of comic. This is not going to be a quick hit. We're go- we're in for the long haul. So we're going to give you a big moment like this very early on, and we're going to keep going and keep topping it. And that's why this comic
0: works really well, in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> uh, for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So let's transition now into volume two um uh, volume two is not quite as dense and chock full as volume one is um, but still there's a lot of good stuff that happens mm-hmm. um so we have volume two showdown on the smuggler's moon um covering issues seven through twelve for anyone out there reading along with us uh i mean guiding us whether you got the issues whether you got on um, the trade paperback uh that's where we're at now um And so I do want to talk real quick about kind of a contrast between these two volumes. Um, Volume one, as we've already talked about, has um, really capitalized on um, hitting us with characters we know and love, right? We get Luke, we get Han, Chewie, (laughs) R2-D2, Hritsus, C-3PO, Vader, Poba Fett, um, some Java appearances, like, we get the characters we know and love in Volume 1. Um, kind of in contrast, we get the characters we know and love in Volume 2, but we also get introduced to a few new characters as well, and I want to talk about those new characters real quick. Um, the two that I want to focus on are um, Sergeant Creel, mm-hmm. uh, who we meet, who is a very intriguing character, um, kind of frustratingly so um, <laughs> with how much, if you're just able to like just read like volume two at one time, um, frustratingly intriguing character um, who's introduced. Um, and then, of course, we have Sana Solo slash Staros mm. introduced in volume two. Yeah. Um uh, Jacob, you kind of alluded um, to being excited to talk about her. So why don't you go ahead um take it away? Tell me about your thoughts, feelings, and overall vibes um, with this brand new character.
1: Um, well, first and foremost, if she's not introduced in a film or show soon, um, I will riot. Um, just full on riot. Um, <laughs> no, no. and In all seriousness, though.
0: Um, that's the kind of healthy fandom we like to um encourage here. <laughs> In all seriousness though,
1: um I love Stars I really do. Um she has and, and and for the record, she has not like gone to the wayside. She has stuck around. Um mm-hmm. And, and and arguably has actually gotten better um, because of a character that we are going to, once again, talk about in the Darth Vader um, uh, podcast later. Um, but in this run, though, she's so—I don't know. It's so interesting to see someone who is, in a lot of ways, at least in this issue, in, in, in these few issues, the— Almost like the bane for Han's like suave smartiness pretty much. Because Ooh. like obvi- obviously like Leia does fill that role. But Han is still, he's still Han. He's still, he's still coming back. He's still like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to win her over. I'm still going to win her over. It's going to happen. When Sauna shows up, once again, we, we get a version of this character that we have not really seen. Han shuts up. Like, I mean, in, in, in a lot of ways, and that's not something mm-hmm. that we see from him too often. And if you're not, and I know that to some people, they might hear that and then be like, oh, well, I don't really like that. I, I like Honda. Keep talking and be the smart mouth, um, you know, smuggler that he is. Trust me, he still is. But sauna brings out something different in him because, you know, it's it's a point in time where we start to where we start to realize, like. Han has been so active and done so many different things between, I'll well, presumably with with new canon uh, between solo and uh, a new hope, that like he's had different crews, he's done different jobs, like a lot of different jobs, and has screwed over a lot of people, and Sauna brings that to the forefront in a way that we really only get mentioned in, like, passing in the films. And I just I just love her for that. Like, everything about that is interesting because she... And she starts off this way in this run where she is a... She is someone that makes us think differently about Han. But then the more you read about her character arc and the more you see of her she really becomes really fleshed out as her own character and really her in her own standing. Um, And this, I will admit, um, although I love her still, and she does bring a lot to the story, she is still very much there to be a foil for Han. Whereas in the later comics, uh, Jason Aaron included, by the way, it's, it's not just, it's not just like his writing or anything. Um, and in the later stuff that, has come out more recently, she has really become fully fleshed out as a full character that I just absolutely need to see in a, in, in a, in a film or a show or something. Um, I have, I have my once, I have my, like my, my, my dream projects that I would, that I would love to see. Um, but that's we're, we're we'll leave that for the wayside for right now. Um, but yeah, I, I love sauna star. I just, everything about her is great. Yeah.
0: For sure. um she was a very um, has surprise uh, <laughs> when I was reading through these for the first time. um she was a character. Again, I played catch up with a lot of these um, after they had come out in trades and things like that. So um I hadn't heard about her appearance. So when she showed up, um, I was very very much just like I was just like Han. Um, and yeah, I was just like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> what's what's this all about like i know like look i know Ook skywalker is in like the star wars version of like a roman coliseum right now but um i need to know what's going on with this <laughs> i almost don't care <laughs> i need to know what's going on but um yeah she's handled very well as you said um she is not just a kind of random one-off character which some people may have a tendency to think she is um she she is recurring she has had um a lot of staying power in the comics um so um yeah i'm all for um any projects that spend a little bit more time with her um as you said that'd be great um before we get to this story um (laughs) step by step of what's going on Um, we got to talk about Creel. Um, possibly speaking as someone who did read these kind of trade by trade and had to wait sometimes for, um, characters to show up again or stories to kind of come back full circle and things like that, depending on like how much I was able to spend on comics that month. Um, I'm not sure I've ever been so teased by a really cool character as I was than Creel um, <laughs> in this story <laughs> um, because um he shows up um he shows up um issue I'm sorry I just have my notes. issue nine um he shows up is just known as the game master uh i'm sorry he shows up in issue 10 he's referenced in issue nine um he shows up as a game master which he seems to be just a coordinator for these coliseum-esque um space fights that um one of the huts is in charge of which yeah that's a pretty cool sentence everybody um you should read (laughs) comics Uh, (laughs) everything that came out of my mouth sounded pretty dope um And he seems to just kind of be a coordinator of this. He seems very like s- like he's got some snark to him every time he kind of interacts with Luke. Um comes off as as kind of passive aggressive, sometimes kind of openly aggressive with Luke and this idea that Luke is trying to be a Jedi. Um you don't really know a lot about him. By the end of this trade, you realize that Creole is apparently um an agent for Darth Vader, um, he knows how to use a lightsaber, um, he's been undercover <laughs> with Gracchus Hut um, this whole time. He very like, <laughs> very passively, aggressively, and like, again with a lot of snark, just explains to Gracchus when he turns the tables on him, he's just like, dude, you have a warehouse full of Jedi artifacts. Like, how did you not think Vader was going to find you eventually? Um, And we just don't know a lot about him. And he comes in as kind of like a a whirlwind of a character. And then you're left for like eight issues. (laughs) (laughs) Not hearing about him ever again. (laughs) Um, So, Jacob, after my... List of praises and grievances for Creel. Um, tell us about Sergeant Creel in this story. No,
1: you're, I mean, you you are absolutely correct. Um, because, and it gets even worse because like, because I just looked this up. I was like, because rereading these, I was like, oh wait, that's Sergeant Creel. I forgot, I forgot this is where he was introduced. <laughs> I forgot he was in the, and then I'd look it up. I was like, has he really not been in the comics that long? And no, he- so, like like I said, this this first run goes through 75 issues, and then Empire Strikes Back, and then the new run happens. Creel's um, last appearance apparently is in 61, which I had to look up, and mm-hmm. he has not been seen since. And, like, he doesn't die. He's just there and then is not there. And it's really annoying because, like you said, everything about this guy screams, like, Inquisitor who wanted more and then became a Stormtrooper. Like... Which is really interesting, <laughs> yeah. or stormtrooper who wanted more and then became kind of an inquisitor, like everything about it is interesting. Um we, to the best of my knowledge, he is not strong in the force. There is never a point where he is strong in the force. Mm. Uh, he is just exceptionally trained with the lightsaber. Um, which I will never, which once again, I was so used to that visual, of him being the head of Scar Squadron, which, once again, a really cool grouping of, grouping of characters <laughs> that we don't see enough of. Um, I've seen him in full Stormtrooper, in a full Stormtrooper like armor set while holding a green lightsaber. I was still had that image in my head that I actually forgot that he shows up at the game ma- as the Game Master first. And so when he shows up, I was like, oh, I kind of I don't, I don't remember this guy. And then the more I kept reading, I was like, oh, wait, is this Sergeant Creel? And then I was like, oh, it's Creel. So rereading it was just as surprising as it was the first time. Um But no, he if there's if the if if there's one character I want to see more of um in, in the Star Wars comics, uh, it, it's it's gotta be him. Like him, him or Captain Phasma. one, one, one of one of those two. Um but we we might never get sequel trilogy content again, so who knows? Anyways, um <laughs> once again, another podcast for another time <laughs> um, <laughs> um, But Sergeant Kree- he's just he is such an interesting force. And the thing is is like, from issues like 21 ish to the Indian of Aaron's run at 37, he is a constant threat. And it almost makes me wonder if Aaron had wanted to do more with the character, um, but then had to leave. And I can't remember if, like, like, I don't remember, like, there wasn't any, like, controversy of, like, Case and Aaron kicked off of Star Wars or anything like that. Like, everything looked, because, like, his run, it has a very, it has a very solid ending. It's not something that leaves a lot open, with the exception of Creel. Um You know, so... So, so my, my assumption w- was that basically he was leaving this character and he wanted Kieran Gillen and company and anyone else who wrote star Wars to kind of take him and go forth. And once again, Kieran Gillen brings him in for like three issues and then apparently doesn't really do a whole lot with them. I, I haven't, I read all those in order when they came out, but of course that's been, I, I have slept since then. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know, like, he's he's the one character that, le- like you said, he's very intriguing, and he leaves me wanting more. And, and every time that I think more about him, I'm like, I'm really upset. Like, so much so that when you and Alyssa got me the Star Wars Legion set for Christmas, I actually was trying to figure out, I was like, okay, how can I make this one sergeant into Creel? and like give him a little lightsaber <laughs> and everything like 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 where could i find like something to work as a lightsaber th- for that size and like i was thinking of, like all of that and you know like that was that was my plan um still working on that by the way but um that's once again for another time um yeah i just i love creel and i want to see i want to see more of him and i'm upset that we haven't seen more of him I, who knows maybe charles soul after he gets done with all the crimson rain stuff all of a sudden just Sergeant Creel will come out of nowhere and then we're just gonna be like, Oh my God, it's happening. Cause, Cause let me tell you, if anyone likes to pull from things that were written like four years ago that you have completely forgotten about, it is Charles soul. Cause his run, you, you've, you've got to keep a notepad next to you of things he has already written. Let me tell you.
0: that's yeah, it's wild. But um, yeah, just a, just a fascinating occurrence of a character. I mean that's that's all that can really be said. Um, it will <laughs> it, it will make you run out and grab the next two volumes of Star Wars. Um, yeah, if, if you read volume two, he's yeah. he's that intriguing for sure. Um, Even though he doesn't show up in the next one, so then you're like, well, <laughs> exactly, and you're just like, what is this madness? <laughs> um, now, um, as we're kind of winding down, as we're kind of wrapping. Um, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up this journey through these first two volumes. Um, I want to open it up a little bit. Um, to just ask a similar question that was asked um, in last month's episode when we did um, the old um, 2003 to 2005 Home um, War series, um, which is what is for you, Jacob, in these first two volumes, what is the most hype thing that happens for you? So we've talked about things that we uh, that happened that we think are very significant as far as explaining characters go. We've talked about um, things that happened that were good for filling in the gaps of of enhancing the continuity um, of the Star Wars timeline. We talked about all those great things. What do you is the hypest thing that just gets you out of your seat as you're reading it? Uh, what's the hypest thing for you that happens in these first two volumes? Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, that's that's why we read the expanded universe stuff, okay. is <laughs> because it has the most insane high-octane stuff that happens in all of Star Wars. Um, so is there a moment for you that kind of stands out as a, as a throat punch of a moment?
1: So it's going to be more subdued than, than typical hypeness. I will readily admit that. Um, but one of my favorite, one of my favorite aspects of star Wars and, and, and a lot of, a lot of different, um, a lot of different series and comics and things do this where they really go into what the force means and what it is. Um, the of course the first thing that comes to mind when i think about something like that would be like the alter, the, the mortis trilogy and the day flowing clone wars and things like that um mm-hmm. it was really interesting to me and 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 i didn't really make the connection on this until rereading these and and looking at it today because i didn't i did, did want to re reread even more because before this um Obi-Wan knew he was going to die. Mm. And that's an interesting concept that we don't think about. But the thing is that Obi-Wan leaves. Like, like, like we had mentioned, when Luke goes to hit to Obi-Wan's house, his, his little hut on Tatooine, there is a box in there that says for Luke. That that it's not a it's not something that he planned on handing to him. It's not something that that he ever gave to him while he was still alive. It is something that he wanted Luke to one day find on his own. Obi-Wan knew he was going to die. And that's really an interesting concept to me. And mm-hmm. what's inside is Obi-Wan's journals. And and every time we get to one of Obi-Wan's journals, we get it, – it's great. Um, the first story that we see in this is – once again, a story that we haven't really seen before, and and it's one and it's one that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be intrigued and in to see how they do in this Disney Plus show, where we see Obi Wan get basically bullied by these hut by these hut thugs from Jabba, and he turns away, and at first you're like, what what, what why is Obi Wan turning away? But he even says, you know, as hard as it was to become a Jedi, it was harder not to be one. And it's because he's hiding. He has to he has to pick and choose his battles. And there's even a point later where he basically a similar situation happens and he tries to help out as best he can. And then he's like, No, I probably shouldn't have done that. I've I'm, I gotta be careful because if 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 the Empire comes here looking for me, eventually they'll find Luke. You know, and that's his mindset. And Later, we get to see this moment of just... And honestly, this was probably the hypest I was. Was Obi-Wan just destroying these hut thugs? Because we... Luke, at one point, is, like, standing up to them. um, Because there's, like, this... There's a drought on Tatooine, and there's this big water shortage. And Luke is like, I'm gonna steal the water back from them. And then the thugs are like, well, we're gonna put him in the slave pits. And Obi-Wan's like, bitch can try. And immediately also he says that by the way no he doesn't (laughs) um
0: (laughs) he's true i've got the panel in front of me that's what he says
1: (laughs) but no like he starts using the force and is never seen like even with luke or because luke gets knocked out he takes luke back to owen and Baru, uh while he's still knocked out so luke never sees who his savior was um And just Obi-Wan as this silent guardian was something that I always wanted to see anyways, even even before. And, of course, this is back in 2015. Like I said, we didn't even know that Ewan McGregor was going to come back at all and do an Obi-Wan show or anything. Um, But I always liked that concept of him. You know, what was Obi-Wan doing for those 19 years? He was guarding Luke. That was his thing. Tatooine is not a safe place. He was guarding Luke. Um. And this scene shows it perfectly because he starts using the Force and it's it's like it's scaring the crap out of the thugs and everything and you know they're terrified and they're screaming they're like we can't see anything, and it's because Obi Wan's just like I'm Obi Wan you're I it's been a while but guess what I'm still one of the best Jedi who ever lived and yeah um and I, I don't know like moments like that between between seeing him defend Luke. Because everyone's always one of my favorite characters, and also the the realization he knew he was going to die in A New Hope, and he knew that Luke was going to have to find this one day, and train himself basically until until he got with Yoda. That was an interesting concept for me, um, so much so like I mean it's kind of a spoiler, but we hadn't we don't plan uh, we haven't yet made plans to talk about this, but like the next. The next Obi Wan story you see doesn't really connect to it, but the one after it is literally about Yoda um, saving this group of people, and Luke at one point is like, "Man, this Yoda was a really powerful. Must have been must have been something to behold. He was a this really powerful Jedi." And then, of course, this is like I said, this is like maybe a year after New Hope's, we're two years away from Empire. Um, so I don't know, like that moment for me, like I said, I know, I know it's a bit more subdued than like, you know, Anakin uh, being the pilot that he is in, in the Clone Wars or or even like some of the other like hype moments that are in these books. But for me, that's the one that really stands out. Like the more I think about it as something that we hadn't seen before and something that made me rethink something about Star Wars as a whole, because Obi-Wan th- knowing he's going to die is a brand new concept and it's something that is very, very interesting to me because at that point – because like he even has a point where he's talking about like where he's wondering if he's losing his connection to the Force and he's wondering if he's losing his connection to Qui-Gon. And because Yoda has taught him how to speak with uh, with someone from beyond as as a Force ghost and presumably is learning how to be a Force ghost himself and learning these abilities – And Obi-Wan, like I said, just Obi-Wan knowing that he's going to die, knowing that he has to pass on to allow Luke to come forward, that is an interesting concept to me. And that was probably my hypest moment, honestly.
0: Yeah, that is, um, you know, Jacob, that was a very, very well put, very insightful choice for um for an answer to that question. Um uh I'm gonna that, right. <laughs> that was right. Um so there's a character introduced in volume two named Gracchus the Hutt. Uh <laughs> let's transition a little bit. <laughs> and there's a moment towards the end of volume two where Creel um flips the script, essentially on Gracchus the Hut, um and Gracchus the Hut just to kind of help the theater of the mind uh people out there who who aren't reading along with the comics um Gracchus the Hut, he looks like Jabba if Jabba had like robot legs kind of supporting him um to kind of give you that visual um And so Creole flips the script on him. He's just like, ha, I'm actually an Imperial agent. You're under arrest. Here's a whole battalion of stormtroopers here to help me arrest you and confiscate all your cool Jedi stuff. And Gracchus's response is, you should have warned them, Game Master. Now they'll learn the hard way. He picks up a stormtrooper by the throat. Gracchus isn't like other huts. The most dangerous thing in Gracchus' arena isn't some savage beast or mindless monster. It's Gracchus. And he proceeds to use his fists and his robot legs to beat the shit out of a battalion of stormtroopers. (laughs) And there's a panel shortly after because the show's still going on. They're still in the Coliseum. And one of the spectators says 50 credits on Gracchus eating one of them, which this man put down hard earned credits on this statement, which leads me to believe Gracchus has eaten people in the Coliseum. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just the hypest thing to me. I think because it was so unexpected, like, um, in a volume of comics that has had like coliseum fights between Luke Skywalker and various space monsters um, of various difficulty, mm-hmm. um, and then you have like Game Master's big reveal, and he's like using the lightsaber, and and there's like a rescue mission that um, Han and Leia are doing, and all this going on. The last thing I expected was for a member of the hut family to turn into like zangief and just start grappling <laughs> and destroying stormtroopers at his own coliseum <laughs> so so i'm going to go with that one <laughs> and this is why this is a two man show <laughs> absolutely yeah no
1: and that's and here's you know in fairness i can't say anything against that because that is a great moment <laughs>
0: oh oh man just just another character i want to see more
1: of is gracchus the hutt
0: (laughs) absolutely oh my god i'm now sad he hasn't shown up in anything else (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so so there you go everybody that's why this should be the star wars podcast for you um because you have jacob over here with the very philosophical takes about the implications of who a character is and how it affects the lore, how it affects the the paradigm that we understand the story of Star Wars within. Um, and then you have me, who's just like, oh, that's a giant space lug with robot legs um, <laughs> beating the shit out of Stormtroopers <laughs> for like five pages of a comic book. That's incredible. Uh, so, I mean, without a doubt... I don't know how else I would have rather us lead into the final question of the night, which is, Jacob, um, do you accept the events of Skywalker Strikes and Showdown on Smuggler's Moon by Jason Aaron? Do you accept these events into your grand canon, um, your personal um, continuity of Star Wars? Um, And if so, why do you think they're good additions to your grand canon?
1: Well, the, the answer is just undoubtedly yes. Like, I, it it has to be part of it for me. Um, and it's because this, like I said, and, and other comics have tried this before. And I'm not saying that any of the Dark Horse comics are bad. I, 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 I don't want to give off that implication because I love a lot of the Dark Horse stuff. I really do. Um, but one of the things that this comic does very well that other comics just haven't is make the characters that are larger than life, that we have known and loved our entire lives, into very human characters that we we are int- still intrigued by to this day. And we are still learning more things about them. Um, in my opinion, you cannot... You can't watch Empire Strikes Back now without, or at least I can't, without thinking of Luke Skywalker and and certain scenes in this. Um, you know, I, I I I just can't because as as a, as great as the movies are, and of course, like the the original trilogy, I think is near flawless. Honestly, like it has a few things, but still um, near flawless. This just adds more to it without hurting or taking anything away from what has already been said before that is not only a rare thing in films it's a rare thing in comics where to continually add to something without taking without taking away from it from the original material is something that is rare to see in pretty much any form of fandom and aaron and company do it perfectly in their run and then, honestly, Kieran Gillen, and currently, uh, unless something drastic has changed in the last like two weeks, I'm not caught up just yet. Charles Soule has done the same. Um, so absolutely for me, yes, these comics are absolutely a part of my grand canon. And everyone should read them because they give you even further insights to the characters
0: that you already love. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, and I agree. Is- <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, I I agree um, entirely. I accept um, these volumes into my um, Star Wars Grand Canon, and as far as my explanation goes, um, I've already talked about Gracchus the Hutt. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so with that, our our journey through on these comics um, comes to um, at least a temporary end. Uh, the Star Wars comics will be um, back in future episodes of Star Wars E where E review. But for now, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Um, This is one of those things that comes with um, having a show where two Star Wars nerds are allowed to talk about Star Wars stuff um, without any kind of chaperone because we have been talking about these two volumes of comics for almost two hours. Almost hours. Um, so yeah. thank you. So thank you, everybody who's hung out with us. Um, we really do appreciate it. There's, there's a lot of star Wars content out there. Um, a lot of opinion pieces, a lot of podcasts you could be spending your time with. Um, and it really does mean the world to us that you choose to hang out with us. Um, so that's huge. Thank you so much for your support. Um, if you really like this show, um. You know we're doing these kinds of things as like um, a side hustle. Um, essentially, we all have have other jobs we work and things like that. If, so we uh, kind of have a limited space to record uh, different episodes and series and stuff like that. So if you like this show, if you like the Star Wars EU or E review, um, it's weird name <laughs> nonetheless. Um, please holler at us. Uh, holler at us on on, on social. Media. Um, um, if you really enjoy our stuff you can support us on Patreon um, um, just let us know give us some feedback about what you like because it will encourage us to continue to make this show which is a blast um, the final points of p- business we are in the middle of comic fest if you aren't already following Jacob on TikTok you should, he's doing daily posts about new exciting comics just like these, Um, so be sure to follow him on there. Follow us on all the socials, Um, and we have some fun stuff coming up. Um, Let me ask you, let me pull a leaf out of Josh's book when he plugged our show. Um, Hey, everybody, do you like fantasy? Do you like The Lord of the Rings? Do you like kind of unorthodox kind of encyclopedic depictions of Lord of the Rings lore. Um, do you like nerds who talk about it? Well, fellow fandom correspondents, Josh and Alyssa, have a show coming up just for you where they're going to talk about the Cimmerillion. Um, they're going to talk about some Cimmerillion stuff. They're going to um, be theory crafting about the upcoming Amazon show all kinds of Lord of the Rings stuff. It is the it is the Lord of the Rings counterpart, essentially to, to what Jacob and I are doing. That's gonna be a blast. Um, our admin Raven um, is gonna be uh, taking the lead on a bunch of episodes where we revisit a bunch of retro films, a bunch of um, t- different things uh, we might have grown up with and haven't seen in a while called f- f- fandom Flashbacks. Um, those are always a lot of fun. We've got a lot of content coming your way Um, So be sure you follow us everywhere so you know what's coming your way. And again, Phantom is for everyone, which is why we just get so excited and so hype to talk about the stuff we love. Um, And so we hope we inspire um, that kind of excitement in you. Um, So Jacob, thank you as always for joining me on this intergalactic journey. And everybody, um, please stay safe um, and be kind to one another.